I, I think we're all petrified of what Mariupol is going to look like once we get a good idea of there and what's happened in the Donbas region. I, I, it, it's likely going to be worse, Senator. Uh, it's tough to watch. I have exactly the same feelings you do. And I wonder, I just wonder, ultimately, what we will do, the links we will go to to stop Putin. And we are naive, General Milley said yesterday, we're naive to believe that this is all going to be wrapped up in a matter of weeks or months. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid Vladimir Putin has struck out on a course that as long as he's in control of those Russian military forces, puts at risk not only Ukraine, which we know today, tomorrow, Poland, the day after, Baltics. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is no end to this man's uh, is, is there a point where we are obligated? Do you think there's a point where we're obligated to help uh, more than we are, more than just with sending weapons, but maybe NATO goes in and, and at least secures some, some peace? Hey guys, this is Tommy of Tommy Nation Politics. How's everyone doing today? Hey guys, this is Tommy with Tommy Nation Politics. When U.S. President Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin shook hands in Geneva last June, the Russian president had already started massing his troops on the border with eastern Ukraine. Putin's words from back then now sound like mockery. The leaders of two countries, of two main nuclear powers, are meeting to make the world safe, stable and prosperous. A home for all the people on our planet. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Nation Politics Tuesday, codename episode, The Great Commission. With special guests, Ali Spawn from the National Progressive Party, Jamar Jabari from Voice of Change Podcast, and of course, Tommy Nation Politics co-host, Stephanie Smith. Putin invaded Ukraine and Biden responded with sanctions. Putin is the aggressor. Putin chose this war. And now he and his country will bear the consequences. The West wants to divide our society by speculating on military losses. Ukraine has triggered a seismic shift in politics with far-reaching international repercussions. German economics minister Robert Habeck, whose mission was to help Germany go green, heads to the Middle East seeking new sources of fossil fuels. 
A U.S. president who wanted to take care of the home front travels to Europe, looking to shore up a united front with EU and NATO allies. Can either deliver results that help stem the conflict and its effects? We're asking Biden versus Putin. Can the U.S. stop the war in Ukraine? Welcome to To The Point. It is a great pleasure to greet our guests. Saraya Sahadi Nelson is talk show host at the Common Ground Berlin podcast and former correspondent for the U.S. broadcaster NPR. Michael Tumann is diplomatic correspondent at the German weekly Die Zeit. And it's a great pleasure to welcome back to the show my colleague Roman Goncharov. He is a Ukrainian by birth and works with DW's Russian language service in Bonn. And I'd like to begin, uh, if I may, uh, with you, Soraya. Following the Trump presidency and the disastrous U.S. exit from Afghanistan, many people doubted uh, whether there was still any will on the part of the U.S. to lead. Is that different now? Would you say that U.S. President Biden is right when he says the U.S. is back? Well, uh, the U.S. may be back, or at least the will, but he certainly is not benefiting uh, in the numbers or in the polls uh, in terms of his the support that he's getting from the American public. I mean, I think there's there's still a lot of doubt about whether he can manage this crisis. I mean, and that is what the Americans are saying. And the fact that he's having that kind of uh, difficulty in the U.S. sort of begs the question, what's it going to be like in Europe over these next uh, days as he's meeting with leaders here? And Michelle, as, as diplomatic correspondent, how would you describe Biden's mission on this trip to Europe? What can he accomplish and what does he need to accomplish? Well, I think he needs to come up with, uh, with a response together with the Europeans, and that is the challenge, with a response to the ever more brutal war going on in Ukraine and a response also to possible war crimes. Uh, to the expulsion of uh, whole parts of big cities in Ukraine. Um, and of course, they will have to uh, deal also with the, the, the very latest challenges um, for European unity and American unity as far as gas and oil deliveries are concerned. So holding the whole club together, that will be the main challenge over the next 48 hours. In fact, we've seen a remarkable degree of Western unity. Do you think that is now waning? Well, I, I, I don't see it, uh, it yet because uh, we have, of course, peculiarities like uh, Viktor Orban, Prime Minister of Hungary, who always begs to be a bit different. But then we see finally when it comes down to the final vote, he, is, he falls in line. And um, so I don't see the 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 unity crumbling yet, but it, it might come further down the road. Roman, and excuse me, I mispronounced your last name uh, when I introduced you, but let, let me ask you this. Um, many observers have said from the beginning that this conflict is really about Russia versus the U.S. Would you say that that is right? And if so, what could Biden actually do to change Russia's calculus? Well, I would disagree. I think it's a it's a conflict between Russia and the West. The West um, 
uh, as a civilization, and the West as uh, as a system, political system, um, and uh, economic system, and um, this is how Russia is has been seeing this conflict for years and years. So it's not actually new. The West refused to see it like that. The West has been looking at it as a conflict between Russia and Ukraine, which is just a battlefield. Um, and I think uh, to your question, uh, how could the U.S. Um, maybe stop it? I think um, looking back um, some weeks, maybe months uh, prior to this conflict, we've seen how the U.S. administration reacted differently. They disclosed the information that they had about this uh, plan of, of this war. Uh, this was new and this allowed the US and uh, its allies, UK and some other NATO countries, to supply Ukraine with weapons. And that was very, very important for Ukraine because uh, it is, um, it's those weapons that Ukraine received in, in the couple of weeks before the war from the West that enabled Ukraine to stand firm. Uh, without those weapons, I'm sure Russia would have seized a much bigger territory of Ukraine by now. So I think the path for the coming days and weeks is to continue in that direction. And I want to more pick... weapons for Ukraine. Exactly, and I want to pick up on that point in just a moment. It's become commonplace to say that Vladimir Putin underestimated the West, but the reverse is also true. Long is the list of political leaders who clung to the belief that Putin would act rationally and avoid dragging Russia and Ukraine into a ruinous war. And Joe Biden was amongst them. You know, most Americans believe our political system needs changes. Upwards of about 85% of respondents in polls, you know, about change, say they want change. 42% say, that our political system needs to be completely overhauled, reformed. This sentiment holds true across party lines, Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian. Democrats and Democratic-leaning independents and 83% of Republicans and Republican-leaning independents in support of change. This was from a Gallup poll, November 21st, 2021. 43% of the country wants a complete overhaul, like I said, of political change. Citizens United, political parties, usurping the reins of government for, from the people. They also want across party lines to cut the division in our country. The deadlock that's caused by the Democrats and Republicans. Uh, most people don't realize that it is the Democrats and Republicans that are causing the gridlock. They instead think it's... Uh, insurrectionists or whatever the narrative of the mainstream media is that they manufacture consent to make excuses and logical fallacies for the real problems in this whole entire endeavor guys they're the rust on the wheel they're the greed and the gluttony and the seven deadly sins in Nineveh and Sodom so like I said guys 87 percent respectively across party lines support the smallest of any change in the political system not to mention change in uh, how we do tax laws change in our justice system only 37 percent positively responded to a support of the political system as it exists now
That's an unequal level, guys. That's an income inequality. It's an inequality. It's not an income inequality. But it gives way to income inequality, guys. Meanwhile, 88% of Americans who do not approve of our pandemic responses, they support reform. A gap of only five percentage points, guys, to the people who, across party lines, sweepingly want political reform. If you read the charts and graphs, and if you see the popularity in the policies that these surveys are conveying to you, these views, these policies, they say political reform. They say they are generally not satisfied with what our political parties, what our government, and what their donors are endeavoring to handle. And the most, in the most transparent way, guys, nothing fundamentally changing. Nothing fundamentally changing. That is the change that the Democrats give, guys. And Americans are not confident about our politics or if it can be effectively reformed because of these parties, because of the deep corruption, which is almost as American as apple pie, guys. It all started as soon as George Washington grew, bro. With, without him to level the playing field and to speak reasonably and logically, they all fell away to their talking points and to their uh, mass media, media groups, their mainstream conventional wisdom and social norms, bandwagon mentalities, guys. It's a really interesting thing, guys, how 88% of the country wants change. Sweeping change on our politics, on our justice system, on the policies, and the tax laws that we put forward. And yet, guys, there's only one voice that gives uh, the politicians pause or a moment to uh, consider uh, what do they what do they call it? Their um, what do they call it their uh, mandate, their referendum. Oh yes, so if Joe Biden was a referendum of Trump. Wouldn't eighty eight percent of the country wanting sweeping political reforms be heard to these political parties? But they don't care about us. They only care about their donors, who extract the wealth of the working class and their corporations, who are not people. Money is not speech. And principles and values do matter. Truth matters. You having a unique personality and made in the image of God, that matters. Although again, a similar percentage of Americans, guys, who are satisfied with democracy, support reform as well. Despite controversies over whether the government, you know, assumed too much power of responsibility in the COVID pandemic or, or whether most Americans still need to uh, take these measures and, and not curtail personal freedoms, guys. The actions of the government officials are clear. And they, they took, not to mitigate the pandemic and the country that they swore to protect from uh, threats foreign domestic, these mandates. They did it to curtail your civil liberties, to maintain the status quo, and to affect a non-fundamental change, which is what Joe Biden told his donors. If you still don't know 
who Joe Biden is. If you still don't know what Joe Biden said on the campaign trail, if you didn't hear, I'm gonna cut social security, you ain't black, uh, you better vote for somebody else fat. If you didn't hear those things, guys, our country's in deep doo-doo and we can't even come together to talk about the change or to affect the change. We're being divided. There's a lot of, there's a lot at stake, guys. There's other countries. There's the vocal minority, which is, which should be respected in a democracy. There's the greater good. There's the constitution. There's our personal freedoms and civil liberties, and there's our own beliefs. And these beliefs, guys, they're protected in amendments of the constitution, freedom of speech, rights to assemble. Our heritage is in danger. The people who are currently in power, guys, no matter who you think or who you, who you think you like or dislike, have affected zero change on all fronts, despite many campaign slogans of change. They've given you none. And that is the Tommy Asia Politics Tuesday live stream memo. ...that Joe Biden has done so far. You have to name one good thing. to vote our democracy against all enemies foreign and yes domestic the consequential moments in history they present a choice do you want to be the on the side of dr king free thinking innovative totally open-minded this is tommy nation politics how's everyone doing today good Hey guys, this is Tommy with Tommy Nation Politics. How's everyone doing today? Tommy Nation Politics. Free thinking, innovative, totally open-minded. Tommy Nation Politics. How's everyone doing this morning, guys? It's early, but it's late. It's the twilight. And we've entered the twilight zone here in the country of America, where the elites who own most of the wealth funnel the wealth and influence through politicians and divide us all with divisive rhetoric, labels, bandwagon mentality, anything these two gangbanging parties can get their hands on. They've caused a great amount of struggle, strife, tribulation, and evil. But be not afraid, guys. Because Tommy Nation Politics live stream this Tuesday is going to talk about the Great Commission. I'd like all of you to attend if you can. And if you're up and awake tonight and you'd like to comment on any of my, uh, you know, rhetoric that I'm kind of going to pre-talk about, I'm kind of pontificating myself on what I'm, I'm gonna to say tomorrow. I have a totally all progressive panel. I've got Ellie Spawn from the National Progressive Party. I've got my lovely co-host, Stephanie Smith, who's going to be uh, co-chairing with me. And then I've got uh, Jamar Jabari from the Voice of Change podcast. 
I wanted some libertarians because I feel like that, you know, even though libertarians and Republicans and progressives and Democrats kind of like go together as far as the conventional wisdom, us that are already done with the two oldest, most evil gangs in the nation's history of America, the Democrats and Republicans, two parties that have ruled for over 200 years, uh, one on top of the other, sharing power like a timeshare in a Florida, uh, what do they call those things? Uh, condo. That's how they do, guys. One of them invades uh, some countries. The other one invades the other countries. They all sell weapons to our allies. And our allies, by the way, assist us in doing war crimes, genocide, and uh, undemocratic things all around the world. Meanwhile, we tout ourselves as the bastion of democracy, the bright shining light on the hill. Uh, Reagan called us that. Ronald Reagan called, called us that. It was ironic because... I feel, and this could just be my opinion, but I have some proof to back this up. I feel like he started the whole neoliberal stint in the first place, privatizing things, causing the private sector and the public sector to kind of bleed together into what it is now, which is a, it is a corrupt oligarchy, not a democratic republic. The Democrats and Republicans, they call it uh, a nation state, they call it sovereign country, they call it of the land of the free and the home of the brave. The land of the free where the former president is banned from Twitter. Home of the brave where people are canceled. Immediately, their apologies are issued. They call it the shiny beacon on a hill, the land of democracy. When we do coups in Venezuela, we arm rebels to murder leaders that we don't like. And again and again and again, we stick our nose into things that are not concerning us to make it only worse because we feel that we could get something out of it. What do you call people like that? I don't call it a democratic republic, guys. I call it a duopoly. It's a duopoly political system. In the United States, as in the case of many other nations, we are living in a time in which our national problems seem to defy solutions. But it's not on purpose, guys. It's because we're not looking for solutions. We're looking for someone to pin the blame on. Putin's price hikes, the Democratic spending, the Republican racism. Though there's nothing new under the sun, as King Solomon would say in the Bible. It may be that we're approaching a time in history in which uh, Jesus Christ, who talked about a great commission on the Mount of Olives, not Olives before he ascended, he said uh, in Luke 21, 25, distress of nations as we face such a time and are vexed by the various adversities, the shortage of gasoline, the inflation, the income inequality, perceived threats, shootings at school, or any real disagreements. Often they arise and uh, many of us don't know how to deal with them in this new America, where one person is trying to have a conversation and the other one is trying to smear you to or make you look bad instead of trying to argue or have a good argument or you know even have a, a sensible, respectful debate. No more have we flown high above the skies in eagle with a left and right wing. 
But we're considered now, guys, to be unimportant by each other. And we're considered to be enemies. The right is racist, uh, insurrectionist, Trumpists. The left is loony, snowflake, and free stuff, right? Those are the main uh, division tactics that these two parties maintain uh, our hatred for each other. They don't do it because they uh, think it's funny that we hate each other. They, they just know that if we ever got together and, and saw what they were doing in these bills with the foreign aid extending upon millions and billions of dollars while starving people and tent cities occur in many uh, you know, districts of Republicans and Democrats, guys. But we can't put pressure on them. They don't feel the pressure from us. We're too busy arguing with each other. We're too busy blaming each other. We're too busy calling each other names, engaging in ad hominem attacks. There's only one group of people that are putting pressure on our political civil servants. And those are, uh, George Collin called them the owners. I call them the oligarchs, the elites. They're the real people that own the real rich yachts, not the Russian oligarchs when we came for their yachts and their mansions and their piddly savings, their $30 billion savings. Meanwhile, leaving intact uh, Jeff Bezos, who tripled his wealth during the pandemic, on the premise of keeping us at, at home with Amazon, Bill Gates buying up farmland and uh, causing absolute chaotic chaos guys within uh, the agriculture industry not to mention uh, putting patents on vaccines why is this happening guys why are the but even still why are the elites the only ones putting pressure on the civil servants that were supposed to work by the people for the people and we the people were supposed to establish justice promote the general welfare Secure the blessings of ourselves and our posterity, guys. It was a declaration of independence, a declaration of sovereign statehood. As Americans, guys, we are brought together by common bonds and uh, common values. No matter whether we are right or left, we believe in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They were These were called inalienable rights, and they were... Uh, manifested by a classical liberal named John Locke. And whether one is a Democrat or a Republican, whether one is a liberal or conservative, few seem to be truly or completely satisfied with how things are going. And whatever is wrong with this country, it's either George Bush's fault or Barack Obama's fault, Trump's fault or Joe Biden's fault. No one else is surprised by this? That, uh, no matter who we blame, these two parties kick the can down the road and use these issues to again and again and again campaign on. And the campaign finance contributions and fundraisers hit all-time highs, guys. In 2016 alone, campaign finance contributions increased 30%. Dark money campaign finance contributions, which are supposedly illegal and uh uncivilized, even though, of course, we know there's insider trading happening. There's governmental winners and losers being picked. There's collusion between the private sector and the public sector, with which I've just, just discussed. And there's an oligarchy that's funneling the wealth from the 99% into the Cayman Islands and 
and tax shelters extracting the wealth from the working class and middle class until there will be nothing left. I hate to tell you this, guys. Uh, one might suppose that this was uh, not, not uh, something that we would see coming, but not only did the Bible prophesize this and, and discerned good from evil and discerned that uh, only good will triumph if a unified good would pretty much oppose the massive amounts of evil. It may be that the Republican Party enjoys much greater support from so-called religious right people. And there are Christians who would have to regard, you know, Democrats as uh, light Catholic Christians. People, uh, they're Christians, but they believe in abortion. So are they really Christians? It's another divisive argument. They actually pull the church into, I think it's interesting, the divisive rhetoric and the tactics they use to maintain the status quo manufacturing consent for Wall Street, the banks, and the military-industrial complex. It's very intricate. They've spent 200 years perfecting their propaganda. And the Democratic Party is supposedly and allegedly in line more with what is right and just as far as equity and equality. And the right is more in line with the Christian family values. But let me tell you this, guys. These conventional wisdom social norm lines are false beyond all imagination the democratic party is in line with billionaires and the right uh the right republicans are not right wing they're in line with billionaires just different billionaires We've got the mercers and the adelsons we've got many many more uh right wing rich uh, rupert murdoch of course we've got uh, on the left soros we have bloomberg Tom Sire, who ran for uh, president, because you know, when Trump ran for president, other billionaires saw that too. And they said, why, why can't we come out of the curtains? Why can't we start controlling America transparently? Because at this point, guys, remember that we've done everything that these politicians have said without even questioning them. We jumped on one foot, we wore masks, we wore double masks. We got five uh, shots. We stood on one leg, we watched uh, George Floyd get stood on by a police officer, nobody helped him, because the police are good people, it's just a few bad apples. And thus, the manufactured consent for the status quo moves on. We're left with, oh, it's the left-wing loons, it's the right-wing racists. And the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, and the politicians are staying in office for all eternity. Again, we should not be surprised in the secular-minded opposition of not only religion but the political uh diplomacy necessary to be truly bipartisan that's another thing that's lacking in our political discourse guys is real bipartisanship bipartisanship that is working together for the common good this bipartisanship guys and i can give you five different examples right now of how this bipartisanship is not about working for the common good it's not about ardently opposing uh, in a principled stance. It's not about shining a light upon uh, corruption and bettering people's lives. As Christians put it, shine as lights in the world. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. 
As a kid, I used to sing that song, and I used to think that the world was good, and we were all trying to be good people. Some of us are, a lot of us are. Some of us maybe are making the mistake of being apathetic. But let me tell you guys, the consequences are that in the midst of crooked, perverse politicians who sell out our country and continuously uh, cause abominable affronts to the constitutional laws and inalienable rights that we hold dear. We let them out. We let them do it. We let them renew the Patriot Act uh, every single year. Do you ever hear about anybody standing up against that? You know what the Patriot Act is, guys? It's an affront to our due process. One of the things that make us a democracy is the fact that we have trials and uh, we're judged by a jury of our peers. And we're not guilty until proven guilty. We're innocent until proven guilty. With the Patriot Act, guys, we were... We are now forced to be terrorists unless not proved terrorists. We could be thrown off planes. We could be uh, taken to black sites and interrogated enhancedly. And um, some would say, guys, that this has led to a great insurmountable income inequality and pain and tribulation that has just been metastasized by the greed in Wall Street and Legreed, the banks, the increasing budget of the military industrial complex, their continuous government contracts. If you guys want to know who the real welfare queens are, let me tell you. It's Tesla, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin. I mean, these companies are sort of the new favorites. Of course, it was Halliburton and ExxonMobil uh, when George W. Bush was president. And this is what I mean, guys, by the never-ending revolving door of, um, you know, public sector, private sector. These are not things, guys, that are going to make our country great. There's, these are, again, or anytime, these are not going to be things that can progress the discourse uh, and ascend us into a right and left wing healthy bird eagle that flies over a land of free people, a home of brave people. I think, guys, that we need to redefine our mission as a, a country because we have so been confused and bewildered by two political parties that only want to re usurp the reins of government from you know, the people who are the true owners of this country. George Washington said they will, from the very engines that brought them to unjust dominion, they will orchestrate a tyranny in the guise of a democracy, whatever they, their propaganda line is, whatever their party line is, whatsoever their party line is, it is a lie, it is an illusion, it is a distraction. And um, guys... It causes disharmony. Disharmony is something that happened in the Garden of Eden when uh, the relationship between God and man was devastated, if you read the Bible. Like I said, guys, I'm not super religious, but I really take stock in these stories and parables about human civilizations and the consequences that happen when you make horrible decisions and your life is on the line. Our lives are on the line, guys.
but not just ours, but that of our future generations and our posterity. Our Constitution said that plainly. And Isaiah 10.1 says, The Lord said, Woe unto them, the decree unrighteous decrees. This is a reference, guys, to those in positions of authority who pass laws for the nation that are wrong in the sight of God. But also, it is also a reference of people in positions of authority who pass laws for the nation that are wrong in a democracy, in a, when we, the Constitution, guys, it was a contract. It was a statement. It was a vision statement. It was a decree. In God we trust, all men are created equal. It was a account, it was a, a ledger of accountability. Something to hold us to account. Something to sharpen our principles and values. How can we hold people accountable, guys, for continuing to vote for the people who they do? Two of the oldest gangs of our country. How can Christians pray before voting? When they know that their tax dollars are being spent drone striking Yemeni's weddings and uh, causing chemical gas attacks in Syria so we can hold oil fields with our friends, the Saudis. It's really difficult for me to understand how anyone can think that they're good people when they're com clearly complicit because we do vote for them, guys. They were clearly complicit in war crimes, humanitarian crises, and regime change wars. And I pose this question to you guys with that, as you maybe perhaps can stop arguing with each other and dehumanizing each other. And maybe I would posit that maybe neither side, the Democrats or Republicans, are right or wrong. I think they're just of the world. They are the princes of this world. They are the powers of this world. They are a manifestation of the evil one. How do you know that, guys? Well, it's the fruit that they bear, isn't it? That you know the tree. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, judges of the earth. Serve with righteous, righteousness and fear. Rejoice with the trembling. Do not be angry or perish from the way. The wrath is kindled in your own self. That passage, guys, is from uh, Isaiah. And it just pretty much explains the reason to me why it was a very um, necessary and essential thing that Jesus might have had to go through all of that. To At first, when I was a kid, I thought it was just to fulfill a prophecy. But literally, with the greed and unabashed, unshamed, uh, uh, absolutely just like audacity for evil people as they rule and the apathy of good people to stand by and do nothing. The halls of government have become dens of thieves and it has even trickled down to religious churches. You remember at that time in Jerusalem, they were selling and cheating people in the, in the temple. This was just a harbinger of things to come, guys, as far as governments go. And uh, to be fair to Jesus, he wasn't very unfair to governments. He said, uh, give Caesar what is due Caesar, right? And give God what is due God's. But what if we're not giving ourselves what we're due? 
What if we're not protecting our general welfare? What if we're not observing our inalienable rights? What if we're not protecting our civil liberties? What if we walk in defiance of not only God's moment, but ours? When the time comes, guys, some will be on their knees trembling. Some will be uh, behind a, uh, a, a city on a couch watching the mainstream media conglomerate news and listening to the party line. And some will probably be killed in a result of our apathy and be cheated of an abundant life that was promised them in the Constitution and by the gospel of Christianity. That they would have life and they would witness Christ with their transformed lives, lives that are so attractive that people are drawn to them to believe in it. And that's where the great commission comes in, guys. When Jesus, before he ascended, after he died, he was on the Mount of Olives and he gathered his 11 disciples and he said, all nations, commission, people in the world, however conflicts arise, you must be fishers of men just as I was fishers of men to you. Here, Jesus was signaling that you need to treat others the way you want to be treated and love others the way you want to. Believers of these principles and values are family. Guys, why can't we transcend that notion, that premise to our brothers and sisters of America? We did once. We were amazing, innovative. We manifested a destiny that destroyed monarchy, helped bring the Magna Carta into effect, help uh, the, the other people of the world break from their monarchies. The power struggles and conflicts of the world, when they saw our democratic republic rise from what was a feudalist state and nobles and kings only ruled and were wealthy and enjoyed their lives. They saw a whole nation encompassing their own authority, standing firm in their inalienable rights and knowing that in God they trusted. And that face of our nation was a courageous face, a courageous face in the face of conflicts. And I believe that that difference, guys, between monarchy and the Democratic Republic, that is the most stark analogy of the difference of the two kingdoms. The two kingdoms instituted on earth, guys, the earthly kingdom that governs worldly matters through political powers and the laws, and the heavenly kingdom, which governs spiritual matters through the church and the gospel. While both are ruled by God, they are separate. The political powers do not interfere with the church, and the church does not get involved with political issues, supposedly, allegedly. We all know that's not true. We all know that in the reality, worldly and spiritual matters overlap. And the Bible has not distinguished the world in a, in a way of complete inadequate separation. But let me just tell you guys that when we make things bleed together, when we confuse ourselves into uh, blaming other people for our problems, when we split and divide ourselves as a United States of America, the realms of uh, religion and state are not the things 
that are the most detrimental, that are, are the most lost. It is the, uh, the, the us as an entity of United States that uh, caused the British a monarchy, a monarchy, an empire to run from our shores as we aligned ourselves with the French, Native Americans, and other people all around the world who saw our courage and was, were inspired. We caused them to have doubt as well. We caused a ripple, uh, a ripple effect, guys. And um, we've caused a huge ripple effect with our regime change wars and allowing politicians to run rampant and not be checked or held, up, held accountable, but only believe the, the party line. Believing the party line, guys, leads to a dystopian future. And you can read Orwell, you can read Brave New World, you can read well, who wrote um, Handmaid's Tale, Margaret Atwood. That's where it leads. And you don't even know you're there until, what's her name? A lady, what's her name? And out. <laughs> She'll let you know. She'll let you know when your political power is no more. So what I, uh, my advice to you guys is to let me know what you think about what I'm saying on my live stream on Tuesday. Check me out at www.tommynationpolitics.com. I went through the scriptures because, uh, you know, it was uh, Easter. And the, it kind of inspired me, you know, how he brought together his remaining disciples and he created more. And we right now, guys, we need you, a unity, a real unity, more than anything right now. Because we have a formidable uh, villain that we all must take part in vanquishing and restoring to our political and to our social uh, lives, a government that works for all of us and not the few, real, real equity. Real equality. This was something that I thought the progressive movement was going to usher in. But I was wrong. I'm willing in any way. I'll try anything to equip an order of unity with my brothers and sisters. We must work for the common good wholeheartedly. Not for my own advantage. But like Jesus said, no greater love hath a friend than to lay his life down for another. That's what we did in the Revolutionary War. That's what we did in the War of 1812. That's what we did in World War II. That's how we helped each other during the Great Depression and all the times that we thought that it couldn't be worse. We rose and were greater than before. But we're not going to be able to solve our problems. We're not going to be able to and make a lasting effective change. We're not going to be able to progress unless the right and left fly again. So uh, this past resurrection day, let it not just be a, a morality resurrection ascension to a higher plane. Let it be political ascension. Let it be a philosophical ascension. Let it be a social inspiration to you that the significance of the common good, e pluribus unum, is not something that should be apathetically looked over or ignored. And that we must at least attempt, guys, as our founding fathers did, to come to a consensus of, of where fairness and justice exist. Because no justice, no peace, right? 
All right, guys, www.tominationpolitics.com, Tuesday, 8.15 Central Standard Time. Join my live stream. Hopefully you can get involved. I really love that. I want everybody to be engaged in this union. Y'all have a good night. Tommy Nation Politics, www.tominationpolitics.com.